Well, I have been personally studying Galatians 5 with a girl that I have mentored for a few years. Virtually, we've been going through this together, and it's been amazing. The Lord put the fruit of the Spirit on my heart so heavily, um, I don't know, four or five months ago, and I just couldn't shake it. So it's been a very powerful study, and I wanted to just kind of give a quick recap just on the things that God has highlighted for me. Um, the deeper study of this is going to be available to those of y'all that are signed up to our establisher email list. So you'll kind of see here on the YouTube channel that we're going to have teasers like this and just little recaps and nuggets, things that are a little bit shorter and brief. And then we'll have content available where a lot of this will go much deeper as we would have in an establisher gathering. So to do that and to get that type of content, you do have to subscribe to our email list. You can do that really quickly even here on the YouTube channel in our profile. You can sign up to make sure that you don't miss a deeper dive into some of this content. And in fact, I'm going to start to teach on Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, word for word, and we're going to take apart love, and we're going to take apart joy and peace in order. Um, today, I'm just going to give you a quick little highlight reel of what God just kind of pricked me with up through kindness. But definitely subscribe to the email, um, the email list. Make sure that you get on that. You can also do that through our Instagram account, through our Facebook page, Establish Her, um, but you definitely don't want to miss the deeper dives. So, do that. But the highlight was really interesting for me. I just kind of stopped at kindness, but I went back through a couple nights ago and was just pulling out some of the definitions. When I study a scripture, um, I, I really like to use commentaries, but the first thing I like to, to do is really to cross-reference that with where else it's talked about in the scripture. You let the Word of God translate the Word of God, and then you go to a Strong's Concordance, for example, and look at a Greek or a Hebrew word. So that's kind of what I did, just to give you an overview of how I got some of these definitions, I'll call them, um, for some of these key words that popped out to me, and then I'll just paraphrase it, or I'll kind of wordsmith it in a way that really resonates with my heart. So when you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the first thing I want to kind of bring to your attention is it is not called the fruits of the Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know why that's important? Y'all, as much as I have read this, as much as I have taught this, as much as I have prayed this in my life, I don't think I ever realized the important semantic difference in the fruits of the Spirit, because a lot of people call it that, because it is plural, right? There's nine of them, versus the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the kind of books that I use, or sometimes even online that I use, um, commentators really drew, drew something out about this for me, okay? He said, which was so true, the fruit of the Spirit is to be seen as a cluster, as a whole, just like grapes. So the idea that really Paul was trying to get across, the Holy Spirit through Paul, was not that you hope, focus in or hone in on one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's that you, the deeper you abide in the Lord, Okay, John 15, the deeper you stay in him like the vine and the branches, fruit will then produce in an entirety as a whole, permeating your being. So there, there's a connectivity to the nine words. They're not to be isolated necessarily. You have them in abundance like a cluster of grapes fully ripened on the vine when you're abiding in the Lord. You don't just have one and the rest are rotting. It's, it's this beautiful picture of holism, ho holisticness, 
holism is not a word. I'm famous for making words that aren't real. Holistic picture. And I don't think I ever caught that before. So, so stop yourself if you have a tendency to call it the fruits of the Spirit and, and do it the, the right way, the way that it's intended, which is written here in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, because they exist as one. The love impacts the joy, which impacts the peace, which then informs the patience and you know makes the, the kindness possible. They're all connected, not just in order, but in entirety. Now here's how that's different. Couple verses up, okay? So before he gives the fruit of the spirit list, singular, though there's nine parts, the other list he gives are the deeds of the flesh. That's plural. List is a lot longer, I might say, than nine. Deeds of the flesh, meaning you can have a pervasive habitual sin or area of one of these and not have the others. They can stand alone. They are deeds of the flesh. They're equally sinful. They're equally uh, just ugly to the Lord, but they're not seen holistically. Does that make sense? So like, for example, uh, the first one is immorality. Okay. I'm married, have a wonderful marriage to my husband. That is not an area. Okay. Where my flesh is tempted, nor is it habitually sinning. Does that mean then that I may not have some other deeds of the flesh present? No, because keep reading. Okay, that, that one may not have resonated with you. Maybe it did. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. You kind of read those a little quicker. If you're kind of like, yeah, 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 that's not me. I'm not really struggling with that. I can just, that's just, you know, not relevant. Keep reading. They're deeds of the flesh. They don't coexist together. They're equally weighty and equally sinful standing alone because strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, divisions, dissensions, factions, envying. Do you see how all of a sudden now, okay, I'm, I'm beginning to resonate with some of those things that might have run rampant in my heart or my thought life. That's different than the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Because here's why. When you are permeated with the Holy Spirit, when He comes in to live in you and to fill you, you realize there's a difference. He can come in to live in you, called salvation, walking with Him, being filled with Him, sanctification, right? Being less of you, more of Christ in you. That's an entirely different situation. That's when the fruit of the Spirit is manifested to the to the degree that you are full of the Spirit, abiding in the Lord, having Him unhinderedly flow through you is to the degree that you produce the fruit. He produces the fruit. Singular, because He's going to produce it all. You shouldn't be impatient with your children or your husband and be filled with the Spirit because you're going to be full of love, full of joy. You're going to have peace. You're going to have patience. You're going to be kind. You're going to have gentleness. You see how they all work together very different than the demonstration or the existence of the deeds of the flesh that can stand alone and one can rule and ruin your life and really separate you from that abiding intimacy required to have him produce the fruit of the spirit. Does that make sense? So really quickly, just a little recap of how I redefined these words that really captured my heart after I studied them. 
love. In the definition here, and again, I kind of pulled a bunch of different things together and some commentators and kind of reworked it with some words from my own heart. Um, but love here is really indicated of, of hesed and of this unconditional love, this agape love. It's got a kindness, which is the hesed part, but it's got this agape movement to it. It's more than affection. It's abundant affection and approach. So just hear me say that God does not just love you. He approaches you in love. He is affectionate for you with love, but he approaches you with love. And it's not just adequate, it's abundant. He is abundantly affectionate towards you. He is abundantly approaching you, meaning always, all the time, approaching you with love, even in his distance, even in what may feel like his silence, even maybe, you know, his absence, not hearing him in his word, every approach he has of us is love. That is really indicated here. It isn't an emotion. It isn't a feeling. None of these are. These are, these are states. These are, these are beings. Jesus himself, God is love. He is that approach to you. Don't forget that. And it's abundant and it's, it's affectionate. I understood the affection part, I think. It was in this study that I realized you're always approaching me with love. There's never an approach of anger towards me, though I may towards you. You, Father, approach me always with agape love, not just affectionate for me. Oh, yeah, I know God loves me. But do you know that he approaches you that way? Even when he disciplines you, even when he may have not spoken to you or so you think he hasn't in a few days, he's still approaching you with abundant love. It's pretty powerful and humbling. Second one, joy. I'll never forget this definition that's just reiterated back all over my life. Joy, as we all know, has nothing to do with happiness. It is a deep-seated confidence that God is in control. Joy actually is this wellspring that's rooted in the idea and the reality and the promise and the knowing, the certainty that God is in control. So therefore, joy is much more synonymous with confidence and certainty than it is flippancy or emotion or happiness. So joy can express itself, right? With this abandon and this freedom and this contagiousness and yes, a smile and a, and a levity to your spirit. But it's, that's not really the definition of joy. That's, that's the, the top layer. Why can the spirit express itself that way? It's because it's deeply settled. You see, joy is a deep settling and a confidence that God is in control. So therefore, 1 Thessalonians can happen, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice in the Lord always. Well, how can you do that? How could you have joy always? Because one, it's not a feeling or an emotion. And two, because it's, it's in a person. You see, I can have a deep, settled confidence no matter what's going on around me, no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what my children are doing or who they become, no matter what happens in our country or around us. My joy is a deep-seated confidence in a person that never changes, in God who's in control. Is that your joy? Don't, don't, get, don't get fooled, should I say, 
if you feel um, sad or depressed or you, or you want to link joy to having a certain uh, exemplified way, you know, that's loud and she's always happy or she never cries. Oh, no, no, no. That's why the definition is true. You can be completely in joy and express it through tears. I've often said tears is another language for me. And sometimes those tears are broken and painful. And sometimes those tears are full of joy. They're just wordless. They just are tears. Because you see that the state of joy is just knowing that God is in control and being settled with that. A deep, settled confidence. Maybe you're not settled yet knowing that God's in control. And maybe that's why you may not have joy. But trust me, when you know that he's in control, that doesn't bring fear. That doesn't bring weight. That brings lift and it brings joy. Because he's the one who's driving the ship and steering your soul and giving you the lightness that you need, no matter how it's expressed. Extroverted, introverted, um, happy or not, has nothing to do with joy. Remember that. Um, I just wrote in my notes here that joy is much more of a decision brought about by the act of God's spirit upon mine than it is a feeling in my heart or mind that shifts. The peace, y'all, I could talk on peace for a long time. And in fact, in the deeper content, if you're, if you're subscribed to Establishers email list, you're going to see a whole deep dive into peace because I can't think of a more pertinent word right now. Peace. In the fruit of the spirit, this Greek word is so powerful because it is so much more than a salutation. You notice in the in the epistles, especially, they usually start the epistle, the letter, with peace to you. They usually end it with peace to you. That's a different word that's used here. Okay, peace is more than a salutation that's mentioned here. It's more than a greeting. This peace is a person. It has a breath to it. It is a a certainty. It's a posture. It has, like joy, has nothing to do with the circumstantial shift or not and getting our way. And that's why I have peace or having everything be smooth and even and easy. No, that has nothing to do with peace. Peace here is the person. You see, you can have peace in all because you have peace in you. Ephesians 2.14 says it plainly. Jesus Christ himself is our peace. And then in John, Jesus says, I don't give peace to you like the world gives. I give it a different way. I don't give you sometimes even, you know, peaceful feelings about something. It's not attached to feeling. It's attached to person. Do you, so you see how these connect. You are not going to have peace in Christ if you don't believe that your joy is rooted in the fact that he's in control. And believe me, you'll have no joy expressed in your life if you first are struggling with the fact that God is not loving you and he doesn't approach you with love. So if you know he loves you and he approaches you with love, then joy is the only answer because then you know he's fully in control. Everything he does is covered in his love, even if you don't agree with it or understand it. And then that promotes this peace, this certainty in a person, not in getting away that you want or getting a person like getting married or having a baby or having the world pan out and be easy. It's peace in a person. It's a certainty that's not moved by external circumstances. 
the strong said it's an internal stability not based on external things it's powerful because it's a person it's jesus patience this was interesting the very first definition for patience in the greek was a quiet mind are you patient it's not are you slow are you late or procrastinating patience had to do with your mind is your mind quieted and then it went on to say that the idea of stillness not inactivity that's different patience is a stillness and i wrote here patience is less of waiting for something and more of staying in something See, a lot of us talk about patience as I'm waiting for God to do X, Y, Z. That has nothing to do with the Greek word of patience used here in Galatians 5.22 as the fruit of the Spirit. Patience is this mental attitude of staying quieted within something, not just wanting it to be over. And I'll just wait and try to get what I want and just however long it's going to take for it, I'll just wait. That's not the definition here. It's more of a still quieted mind because you have his peace, because you know his joy, because you walk in his love. They're all connected. And then we, if you use a different version, I use the NASB when I, when I study and when I read in the scripture, the translation, if you use King James, for example, it uses long suffering. Well, isn't that interesting? That long suffering is two words put together. Long suffering in suffering long. You see, there's a level of endurance to patience. You're suffering long with long suffering, with patience. Y'all, that can, that can preach right now because we're still in a season of suffering long as a nation, as a world, as a community, as a church, as individuals. There's a level of, we don't know when this is going to be over. So is your mind quieted? Is there a level of patience depicted here in the fruit of the Spirit? demonstrate in your life or you just want something to be over that's actually impatient because your mind's not quiet and then lastly um kindness and this one really struck me this one i just kind of redid yesterday because I, I was like that can't be right the very first word for kindness in the greek is usefulness isn't that interesting usefulness being ready and willing to furnish what is needed. It pervades the soul first, an attitude of readiness and willingness and usefulness. Then it prompts the service. So you see, when I first thought of kindness, I thought of being kind, really doing kind. But isn't that interesting? When we use that phrase, being kind, that's actually the true definition of kindness. It's less about what you do and more firstly promoted by who you are. It, it's actually in your soul. Is your soul kind? The kindness here, and I can't pronounce the Greek otherwise I would for you, but it's actually made up of that idea that my soul is most useful to me and to others when it's pervasively 
kind. So then here was the other definition that I just thought was so powerful. Sometimes Greek and English, it's hard to take English words and use them to explain a Greek word because the languages really don't match up like that. But this is the best way we could put it when I kind of was studying these different commentators I was reading. This word holds in its essence what would mellow everything that's harsh and austere. This Greek word, to, to be kind, not to do kindness, it's focusing on being kindness here, has the, has the notion that everything in your life that would rise you up, this word brings you down. It mellows that. Isn't that amazing? It mellows what is stern and austere and harsh in you, in me. That was so striking to me. And then out of that, when our soul is kind and mellowed, and we're not easily angered. Scripture talks about that because God is that, not that, right? God is not easily angered. He's, he's full of loving what? Kindness. His being is kind. When our soul is like that, then our service follows to one another, our usefulness to one another. But our spirit has to be and our soul has to be kind and mellow and pervasive with this readiness and willingness to furnish whatever is needed. So powerful. Teaser, join us again for the deeper content as we go through all the words. Sign up in the email list. Keep subscribing. Thank you so much for being here.